0: This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Some say our nation's educational system is completely broken and needs a total makeover. But an expert has strategies she says can fix things fast. We'll bring you the interview.
1: A lot of the strategies that we're hearing kind of throw it all out and start all over. We don't believe that that needs to happen.
0: Then... Is clutter in your home or workplace holding you back? Just about all of us deal with piles of papers and unanswered emails. A clutter-busting professional shares his secrets on cleaning it all up.
2: And it's really important to find those things that aren't serving you because their presence makes your home feel stagnant and unhappy.
0: Those two stories and much more are coming your way on this week's InfoTrack. Stay with us. Our show begins right after this. Infotrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. What's the answer to those who say our country's educational system is no good and has to go? Infotrax Roy Mackey talks with an expert who offers a different strategy. Roy?
2: Thank you, Chris. Our guest is Dr. Denise Pope. She's a senior lecturer at the Stanford University Graduate School of Education and the co-founder of a program called Challenge Success. She's also the co-author of a book called Overloaded and Underprepared, Strategies for Stronger Schools and Healthy, Successful Kids. So many people believe our nation's education system is broken, but you disagree.
1: Well, we don't believe it's broken. We do believe it needs some fixing, but a lot of the strategies that we're hearing kind of throw it all out and start all over. We don't believe that that needs to happen. We believe schools can make changes that can really improve academics and also student well-being.
2: And you've been one of the co-founders of the Challenge Success Program at Stanford. Can you just explain what that program is?
1: Sure. So over a decade ago, I wrote a book called Doing School, and it was about five high school students who were getting really good grades, but suffering in a lot of ways, and turns out they were cheating and not really retaining information. I got a call from the folks at Stanford saying, you know, we've got kids at colleges all over the United States who are kind of like these kids, high achieving, but not really healthy and not necessarily engaging with learning. So we started an intervention turned out the name was challenge success where we're challenging this one narrow notion of success that you've got to get the grades and get the scores and get into the top colleges to make the most money and we're saying you know what success is much broader and it includes health and well-being and it includes academic learning that sticks and so we work with schools and families across the U.S. and even outside the U.S. to make changes in policies and practices to have healthy and more engaged learners.
2: Maybe you can give us some examples, just if you could explain the two or three biggest differences in what you've tried in challenge success versus what most conventional education settings have done.
1: We don't have a one-size-fits-all model. Every school is really different and every school is in a different position in terms of readiness for change. So we actually have schools put together teams of administrators, teachers, parents and students and work with a consultant to figure out what is the biggest issue facing their students and their community. And then we help them with what the research says they might do to fix that issue. And we sort of hold their hand step by step. They come up with the plan based on the best practices from the research. But it's a plan that fits their school and at the time that they're doing it.
2: So it sounds as though this is more, I guess, harkening back to earlier days of education in our country where the federal government was not necessarily involved so much, but... A lot of these decisions were made on the local level.
1: Right. Part of that is because my mentors at Stanford in the School of Education, David Tayek and Larry Cuban, believe in tinkering toward change. These sort of top-down models don't necessarily work because teachers, many of them kind of close their doors and ride out the storm. So when we work with a school very, very closely and get so many stakeholders on board, looking at the research and figuring out what needs to change, then we're more likely to have that change actually stick as well.
2: One of the things you write about early in your book is about the stresses that today's high school students face. Can you just address that a little bit?
1: I think any parent of a teen kind of realizes now, it's not the same high school as when we were growing up. There's often more homework, there's more work. The schools are facing the challenges of meeting higher standards, which is not necessarily a bad thing, But how that's done is causing stress to kids. We've got a whole lot of reasons why kids are more stressed out, not just because of more work and more homework, but social media takes up a lot of time. Often kids are busy working after school or doing extracurricular activities because the parents need to keep them busy in the afternoons because both parents work. And we've also got a lot of pressure nowadays to fit the right profile to get into the best colleges and universities. Kids think that they have to take the most challenging classes and really load up their schedule in school and after school in order to compete.
2: Talk about homework a little bit, how that is different under Challenge Success, and I assume that may differ from one school to the next as well.
1: It does differ, it kind of differs on the ages as well, but it's not so much time on task. When we've interviewed and surveyed these kids, We found out that much of what they feel like they're doing is busy work. Now, it doesn't mean it actually is busy work, but if the students perceive it as busy work, they're not going to take it seriously. And often what they're doing is copying from their friends and copying off the Internet and turning it in. That's not an effective assignment. We also have homework where a teacher gives out 40 problems One kid gets stuck on problem number two and spends the whole rest of the time not moving forward, and another kid can do all 40 problems in the first 10 minutes. For neither child is that an effective homework. So what we do is we work with schools and talk about engaging developmentally appropriate homework assignments if you're going to have homework and that varies by school and how can we then make it more doable given the busy schedules that the kids are facing especially when they may get home and not understand the assignment and may need extra help so you've probably heard of flipped classrooms we want teachers to make sure that the kids are really understanding the assignment and maybe even getting a jump start on that assignment before going home so that when they get home they can do something that is extremely valuable and meaningful
2: Our guest on Intotrack is Denise Pope, one of the co-founders of Challenge Success at Stanford University, and she's the co-author of a book called Overloaded and Underprepared. Dr. Pope, a lot of parents think that it's critical that their kids get into advanced placement programs in order to have an opportunity to do well in college or to get into the right school. Tell us what your view is of advanced placement programs, because I guess they're becoming a little more controversial now, aren't they?
1: They are becoming a little bit more controversial and that's because the jury is still out on how effective they are. So we have wonderful teachers who are teaching in advanced placement programs who feel that the pressure to get the kids to pass certain content at the end of the course on the AP test is causing them to teach in ways that they really don't want to teach, that it's sort of a march through the content and they're not focusing on valuable skills. Now, to its credit, the College Board is changing some of the content in the AP courses to make it more skills-based and less sort of rote memorization. But we also have the controversy of APs, where you've got kids who are told by their schools, we want you to take AP classes, we want to challenge you, but they're not ready for college-level work. So to talk to a teacher in a school that is supposedly teaching an AP English class and she'll admit to us... Really, these kids are still reading at a middle school level. It's called AP English, but I can't really teach the curriculum, given where these kids are. So we've got problems with kids taking too many APs and being forced to memorize content on the one hand, and kids who are being put into AP classes who really aren't ready for college-level work, and yet the schools are trying to get the boost in the rankings by having more kids take AP courses.
2: Years ago, there was not that much emphasis placed on preparing for college that early in the process. When kids were, for example, a junior, maybe they'd start thinking about it. But that's gotten younger and younger these days. When is the appropriate age or grade that a student should really be thinking in terms of, okay, am I positioned to get into a good college?
1: That's a great question. I can tell you we have parents of preschoolers who ask us, you know, what's the best way to get my kid into Stanford? (laughs) Why don't you let your child be a child? That's one of the best ways to help them get in is to have a real childhood full of play and a loving family and a love of books and learning. So it's not too early to start if you're focusing on love of learning and really taking care of a kid and what they need developmentally. But when you really start thinking about college, What we say to kids is you want to be the most authentic you that you can be. Take the classes that you're truly interested in that challenge you. Join activities that you're truly interested in and that still allow you... Some downtime some time to be with friends some time to focus on health and wellness so that can start at any age you know a good healthy schedule and a good healthy selection of things that you're doing for fun when you start to get serious about college you can look at your schedule for high school 10th 11th 12th grade and kind of map out which courses you're going to take but there are so many colleges in the United States and anybody with a high school degree or equivalency can get into a community college you walk up and pay your money So if you're worried about going to college at all, you can take that off your plate by knowing with a high school degree you can go to college and from a community college you can transfer to a four-year. Many parents say, well, we want our kid to go to a great college. Most of these colleges are fabulous and the way that it works is you find the right fit between your child and the school and that's going to be the best college experience.
2: Denise Pope, Senior Lecturer at Stanford University, the co-founder of Challenge Success and the co-author of a book called Overloaded and Underprepared. Dr. Pope Do you have a website where people can learn more?
1: We do. You can go to challengesuccess.org. Lots of statistics on there, lots of advice for parents and educators, and for students, too.
2: Well, thank you again for joining us on InfoTrack.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: And for InfoTrack,
0: I'm Roy Mackey. Next, is clutter holding you back? A clutter-busting expert shares his secrets. Coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.